today is a compounded Sunday for us. Uh, first of all, most of you are aware of by now, because if, if you're not, you can look outside, it's raining, that's a good indication. But it is Memorial Day. Now, Memorial Day to us as an American society, so uh, so much has become the first unofficial day of summer. But Memorial Day is much, much more than that. Memorial Day is a day that is marked that we offer remembrance for those who who lost their life in the service of this country throughout all of the wars that have been fought. So on this Memorial Day weekend, uh, if you have the opportunity, take time to reflect on those things. Uh, You may think it's a little bit weird or even morbid, but let me tell you, a good thing to do on Memorial Day is just drive through. uh, Many cemeteries are decorated with flags. Drive through a cemetery. If you're over towards Dublin, Virginia, Drive by the Veterans Cemetery. It's nothing but veterans that are buried there. Uh, if you're up towards, uh, happen to be over towards Marion, Virginia, uh, drive by the courthouse in Marion. The whole front lawn of the courthouse is, 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 uh, decorated with nothing but flags of remembrance for those who have lost their lives in combat or either those who are missing in action. And there are still many that are missing in action. So uh, take the time this weekend. Listen, uh, the price for our freedom, the price that was paid, that we could just be right here this morning, uh, cost many their lives. And I am grateful for that. Has this, has this an expression of appreciation? Can you show a hand clap of appreciation for those that gave their life in the service of this great country? You know, I'm uh, I'm uh, so blessed. I, I'm I'm glad that we live here. Uh, of uh, and sometimes I ask myself. I don't know. You may not talk to yourself. I talk to myself. Even sometimes I even answer myself. But but uh, you know, I, I I I was thinking not long ago, just a few weeks ago. God, out of all the places that I could live in the world, why did you pick for me to live here? And you know, really, that is, it is such a blessing. Because God could have picked me to be, to have been born in some third world country. Uh, he could have, you know, there's all kinds of things. He, he, but God chose for me to be right here. And I don't believe He's coincidental. I don't believe He's accidental. I believe He put me here for a purpose and a reason. And I believe He's put you here for a purpose and a reason. And, I pray that you make the very best and the very most of everything that God's intended for you to to do and to be. If you have your Bibles this morning, it is Pentecost Sunday. And how could you preach Pentecost Sunday without going to Acts chapter 2? Acts chapter 2 uh is the uh is the uh the birthplace. It's the birth record as you've heard me say, the New Testament church. Now, of course, when Jesus uh, shed his blood for our salvation, uh, you know, he paid the ultimate sacrifice. Of course, when he rose out of the tomb, he conquered uh, death, hell, and the grave. But uh, Pentecost is also important to us. And I, I hope by the time I get to the end of this message, you'll have a greater understanding of that. But Pentecost is so important because it was uh, it was when... 
Jesus equips the church to do his work on the earth until his coming. You know, we call it the rapture of the church, and, and, and rapture's not in the Bible, by the way, but, but the catching away of the church. So we live in an exciting time. According to Scripture, there is nothing else major to occur before the rapture of the church. Now, we all look for lots of signs and things to happen, and, and certainly they do. There are things that are unfolding and happening around us. But let me tell you something. The, the main thing we need to focus on is when Jesus comes again. You know, uh, when our Lord comes to earth again, and uh, that's so important to us. So Acts chapter 2, verse 1 through 4, you should be turned there by now. But the scripture reads, when the day of Pentecost came, uh, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like a blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. Let me let me pause here just a minute. Sarah and I have had the opportunity to visit the upper room. Now, when I read this the scripture, whether it be this new international wording or whether I'm reading the King James version, I always had it pictured it was some building, like maybe a, uh, you know, and it had a, an upstairs room. Well, that's not the case of it at all. It's almost like the upper room was almost a glorified gazebo, if you would, built out of stone and brick and marble. But the reason it's called the upper room is it sets in the upper part of the city. In Jerusalem, it sits high upon a hill, and it's sort of like a pinnacle in the city of Jerusalem. And everybody, uh, everybody all around Jerusalem could can see what's going on. It's it's like it's the high place of the city, Ge- uh, topographically, I guess is the right word. But the uh, but it's a high place of the city. It's not a building with an upstairs room at all. But as all these people, they're gathered there for the Feast of Pentecost. Jerusalem is full of people. You see, God has intricate timing. So the city is full of people that have arrived for the Feast of Pentecost. And he has 120-some people gathered in this glorified gazebo on top of the hill in the center of the city. And they're praying there together, one mind, one accord, waiting for the promise to come. They didn't know exactly what the promise would be. They just knew the promise would come. Okay? So that's where we're at in this moment. Verse 3. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. I want to preach to you this morning on this Pentecost Sunday with the thought in mind, the third habitation. The third habitation. Now, God desires to reveal himself to mankind. I want you to know that. God created mankind differently than he created anything else because he created mankind in his image, in his likeness. You don't know what God looks like? He looks a little bit like the person sitting next to you, across the aisle from you, in front of you, behind you. No, not exactly in appearance. I'm not saying that at all. But but God created man in his image, in his likeness. 
And therefore, God desired to have communion with man. And if you go back and you read the book of Genesis, and we find there that that in the first habitation, God would come uh, down to earth or he would appear on the earth in some form, in some fashion, in the cool of the day, and he would walk and he would talk with Adam on a person-to-person basis. Wow. How cool could that be? How, how how phenomenal could that be that God comes down and said, "Hey man, uh, y'all done y'all done had supper. You know, let's go for a walk." And he goes for a walk with Adam, not this Adam, but Eve's Adam. And he goes for a walk with that first man, Adam, and he, and they walk in the cool of the day and they converse and, and I can imagine asking God, just talking to Adam and, and Adam talking to God and telling God how much he loved him and in the cool of the evening and the, they would spend time together looking at all of the creation God had given and he let Adam name it and Adam saying, uh, look at the, look at the canary, uh, uh, you know, look at the lion, look at the tiger, look at the bear, you know, and, and they're conversing about creation. I can just imagine what kind of conversation they would have. If you if you study scripture, you'll notice this: Adam never prayed to God. Adam never prayed. He didn't have to pray because he God's presence was with him, was among him. Adam didn't have to pray and ask God for anything. The world was full. The world was full and there was no need. There was nothing lacking in Adam's life. Adam didn't even pray for a woman. God just saw that there was a need there and he blessed him with a woman. So in this first revealing or this first habitation, God has a desire to reveal himself to man. Uh, and, and in doing so in this first habitation... He spends time with Adam, the man that he's created. Now, sadly enough, the first habitation ended. Because sin broke that relationship. Sin broke the relationship. And because the relationship was broken, God's desire to commune with Adam ended. But yet the desire for God to commune with man has never ceased. Now, sin, sin is a dividing point. It's a dividing factor. You know, God can't inhabit His glory and His righteousness can't inhabit sinfulness. Nor vice versa, if you would. And we find righteousness that comes through Christ. And I'll get to that just a little bit more detail in a moment. So we see that, that after the, the, uh, the chain of uh, or the relationship was broken with at, between Adam and God because sin came into the world and God cast Adam out of the garden and he set flaming cherubims of fire to guard the garden of Eden or the perfect presence of God. Then we see the whole complexion of God and humanity begin to change. In Exodus 3, God reveals himself to Moses as the I am. Uh, God's presence was available to man in the most holy place of the tabernacle in the wilderness. And then we see that God spoke to humanity through the prophets like Jeremiah, Isaiah, Ezekiel, and probably more prominent this morning, the prophet Joel. 
But they were the voices of God among humanity. But yet God did not physically appear in this season to man. Now God's purpose again through the ages has been to reveal himself completely to man. And and when we study uh, the book of Leviticus, we find that uh, Jesus revealed uh, God when he came in the form of man, for he was God. Jesus was God fulfilling Leviticus chapter 26. And when Leviticus 26 and 12, you will find the prophetic word that says, I will walk among us and I will be your God and you will be my people. So God's desire to walk among man never left. Now, he couldn't walk among man as he once did with Adam. So he speaks to the prophet. He speaks through the prophets. He speaks to Moses. And God uh, and God's presence is in the tabernacle in the wilderness. But only a priest that has specifically prepared himself could enter into that place. So God, that relationship is broken. But yet God desires to have that communion with man. So he prophesies and he speaks of that communion restored and that communion is restored through God the Son or the man, Jesus Christ. So Jesus, if you would, is the, uh, Jesus is the second. He is the second habitation. He is the second habitation of God among men. Because Jesus was born of a virgin. It's been a few months now. Do you realize it's only less than seven months till Christmas again? Wow. So just a short five months ago, almost a half a year ago, we celebrated Christmas. And we celebrate the virgin birth. But in the virgin birth, the virgin birth is so significant because it was this, this baby, this Jesus, the Christ, the anointed one, is both God and man. So once again, on the second occasion, now God is living and walking among men again. The first time he walked in the garden with Adam and sin separated and sin divided God from walking in the presence of whom he desired to walk among. But then here we find ourselves later, thousands of years later, we find that that God in, in the form of the son is born of a virgin and God lives among men. And we we know that Jesus' life was some 33 years old. He was born of a virgin. He was both God and man. But Jesus came to reveal the father to mankind. That was his purpose. Jesus came to reveal the Father to mankind. In John chapter 14, we find Jesus said, He that hath seen me has seen the Father. Jesus is is as much God as the Father is. And the Father is as much God as Jesus is. You haven't caught on to it. You're going to shortly. You know that we're, we're a Trinitarian Pentecostal church. We're not a apostolic church. We're Trinitarian. Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. So Jesus came to reveal God to mankind. Jesus said, He hath seen me, has seen the Father. Listen, Jesus was more than a prophet though. 
We have to realize that many were the prophets in the Old Testament. Many were the people that heard from God. But Jesus more was more than a prophet. In fact, when we find the scripture, Jesus says this on one occasion. He said, you have heard it said, but I say unto you. He didn't just quote. He was more than the rabbi that they accredited him to be. Jesus, for the second time, this is God walking among men in the presence and through the form of the Son of God, Jesus Christ. 100% God and 100% man. But a few weeks ago, we celebrated Easter. Just a little bit over a month ago. And we celebrated Easter, and, and we, we most of us in this room can relate to the story. If you can't, I'll give you just a little over, over, uh, overview of it. Jesus lived for 33 years. He walked among men. He talked with men. He, he, he fixed some fish by the seashore. Jesus loves to eat, by the way. I want you to remember that. Jesus ate with them. He supped with them. He dined with them. He did every, he did everything. He grew up. He grew up as a child. He worked. He probably did car carpentry work as far as we know because his his earthly father or his earthly dad was a carpenter Jesus did all the things a natural man would do but yet he was still God and then we know in that last three years of his life as he began to uh, the works of the Lord begin to manifest and demonstrate to him Jesus was falsely accused he was uh, he was beaten to the point of death but he didn't die he was hung on a cross where he did give his life he was taken down from that cross he was put in the tomb as he was buried in that tomb he didn't stay there but for three days and he arose again and then a few days later he ascended unto the presence of the father where he says and establishes that he's seated at the right hand and he's there for one purpose and one reason and that's to make intercession for you and I so Jesus in his righteousness he went there to justify you and I through his grace through his mercy through his love that we can accept and must accept through through faith, He is there to intercede or to be an advocate for us. He is there, if you would, as our lawyer, our spokesperson. He took all of our sin upon His shoulders. Everything that we're guilty of, Jesus took responsibility for. And now He sits at the right hand of His Father. And that had to happen in the plan of God. Jesus had to go back. He, in fact, He says that I must return to my Father. I must go back. So here's the earth. When Jesus, on the day of ascension, Jesus goes back to earth. And again, the physical presence of God is absent among earthly men. Are you with me? But wait a minute. God still wants to be walking among his creation. God still wants to dwell among humanity. God still has a desire to be with us. So we find that Jesus said, I must go away. He said, but if I go away, I'm going to send to you another comforter. Some versions, if you read the modern, more modern versions, you'll find the word advocate. It's comfort, 
comforter, advocate, helper, assistant, enabler. Whatever you want, you know, that, that, that word can, it can be expanded upon very much so. But Jesus said, I'm not going to leave you in this world to make it all on your own. I'm going to send you another comforter. And he, and he tells them the matter. He said, I want you to go to Jerusalem and I want you to tarry in that upper place, in that upper room until you be endured with power from on high. Now, that brings us to the third habitation. You and I right now, since the day of Pentecost that we just read about in Acts chapter 2, as we started this morning and up until now, I want you to know we are still living in the third habitation of the presence of God on earth. But it's a little bit different. You see, in Acts chapter 2, I've already said two or three times this morning, the New Testament church was birthed. What happened on the day of Pentecost was was the, the, the church became different than it had ever been before. And the church is still different than it ever has was in the history from the time that God breathed into Adam's nostrils. You see, we're, we're living in the age of God's final revelation for the church on earth. You see, now someday the church is going to come back with the Lord to the earth. But that's not going to be in a revelation. We're living right now. We're living in God's final revelation for the church here on earth. Jesus said, if I go away, I'll send you another comforter and he will abide with you. Fifty days after the day of Pentecost, God himself came back to dwell on earth. But remember, we're, we're Trinitarian. We preach Trinitarian doctrine and we believe the Trinitarian doctrine is right. Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. So, so the Father, the Father came and the, the Father walked with Adam and talked with Adam along the way. And, and, and the Son came and, and, and gave his life and lived on this earth and, and gave his life on the cross. But now the Holy Spirit, God the Holy Spirit is come to live. But the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost, uh, he didn't come, and it's not an it, by the way. It's a he. He didn't come to walk in a garden. He didn't come to live in a temple. He didn't, he didn't come to do any of that, those things. He, he, listen, uh, the Holy Ghost doesn't live in the church building like this right here. He doesn't live in one that... Is modernistic. He doesn't live in one that has stained glass and a steeple on it. God doesn't live in those places. But where God does live in the person of the Holy Ghost, He desires and He wants to live in us. Okay. So the message, the, the, the manger is empty, the cross is empty, and the tomb is empty. The Father occupies the throne of heaven. The Son is seated at His right hand. But now the Holy Ghost has come to dwell in the hearts of humanity. Those that will trust Him. And those that believe Him. You see, being filled with the Holy Spirit is an apostolic commandment. It was, it was given by Paul. And as it was given by Paul, Paul said this. Being filled with the Holy Spirit's an apostolic commandment in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15 through 20. 
He said, be careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understanding what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 18, once again, what Paul said was be filled with the Spirit. You see, our church our, our bodies is the habitation place for the Lord. There's no separation in the third habitation. I want you to know that. There's no third separation in the third habitation. The Holy Ghost is here with the church and he's here for keeps with the church. Okay? He's not on the side. God's not on the side. Oh, okay. The Holy Spirit's here, been here long enough. Church got everything they want. I, I, I ask the Holy, Holy Spirit come back to heaven and be here with me. No, 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 no. The Holy Spirit is here with the church for everything. For all the time of the church. And pay attention how I'm saying that. The Holy Ghost is here for, with the church and for the church. The Holy Spirit is here for our equipping. He is here for our keeping, and He is here, He is our catalyst or our empowerment. Okay? But I want you to know this. The Holy Spirit is here for as long as the church is here, but I want you to realize this. The church is not going to be here forever. The church is not going to be here forever. Now, here's what the scripture says, and I just have a portion of it, I think, there on the board. Uh, and, and he says, and, and now you know what is holding him back so that he may already be revealed at the proper time. For the secret power of lawlessness, lawlessness is already at work. But the one who holds now, who now holds it back will continue to do so till he is taken out of the way. Let me explain that to you. Right now, and ever since the day of Pentecost, there has been a restraining force. They have, there has been a protective shield. You, some of you probably heard somebody, people pray, and they said, Lord, put a, put a hedge of protection around us. Now, that, that, listen, that's not a bunch of boxwoods, okay? It's not, it's not, you know, around our house, we got those bushes with thorns on them to keep the deers out of everything else. They, cause they, they just eat everything else. So we got these t- protective shrubs, you know, around the outside edge at deers. Well, they're deer resistant, they say. And I don't, I don't think anything's deer resistant, to tell you the truth. Lord, build a hedge of protection around us. Let me tell you something. The Holy Ghost, when the Holy Ghost came, the Holy Ghost came not only as our advocate, not only to, to teach us and to train us and protect us, but the, the Holy Ghost is the keeper of the world. 
We are fit, as we are filled with the Holy Ghost, then we find that we are both salt and light in the earth. We are the preservatives and the protectors of the earth because of the Holy Ghost living inside of us. The Holy Ghost was given for the believer. The Holy Ghost is given for those that follow God. The Holy Ghost is given to keep and preserve the church in the earth. Remember, God doesn't want the church to be alone. He doesn't want his creation to be alone. He He came and he walked with Adam in the garden. And then he came later and sin separated uh, man from, from God walking in the garden. Then he came in the, in, the, in, in the form of the Son, Jesus Christ. And after 33 years, Jesus crucified. Jesus ascended back into heaven. And now we find on the day of Pentecost, the, the Lord has come to earth again. And as he's come to earth again, he's come in the form of the Holy Ghost. And the Holy Ghost does not dwell in bodily form. He does not walk in the garden. But yet he lives inside of the believers that have been filled with the Spirit. Now, all of that, all of that is what's keeping and restraining the enemy. We call him Satan. We call him the devil. You may call him Lucifer, his angelic name. But understand this with me right now. What is restraining the devil from consuming the earth is the power of the Holy Ghost that is work at work in the world through the church, even as we sit here in this room right now. Okay? And even if you're sitting, if you're sitting in this room, uh, you know, right now they're saying, you know, I read a sticker. We went to this farm thing the other, uh, yesterday and I saw this, this farm thing. It says, uh, uh, you know, if you're, you know, if, if your belly's full, thank a farmer or something like that. And, and, you know, and if you're living in this, in the United States, you need to thank a veteran. And that's true. You know, all those are good things. But let me tell you something. If you're leaving, living in this world right now and, and you have not been, and apparently you haven't, or you wouldn't even be hearing me right now. You have not been consumed by the by the presence of evil. You have not been overtaken by by Satan. You've not been consumed by the devil. Right now, you can thank a believer. Because a believer that is full of the Holy Ghost, the believers that are full of the Spirit of God are the are the preserving power on the earth right now. That means there's no glory. It doesn't mean there's glory in us. It doesn't mean there's anything great about us. But what it does mean that God's desire to abide with with his creation is dwelling within the believers that are filled with the Holy Ghost. Okay. But the church is not going to be here forever. The church is not going to be here forever. You heard me mention that word rapture a while ago. And you won't find that word rapture in the Bible. It's reptory. It's a, it means a great catching away. And you do find the principle and the, uh, and the doctrine of, of a great catching away in the, in the Bible when the trump of God shall sound. And I, I don't believe that's a brass trumpet. I believe it's the voice of God, the trumpet voice of God. When the trumpet voice of God sounds and the dead in Christ shall rise up. And I've had all these funerals in the past two weeks and I, I've talked about this time and time again, standing in cemeteries and the voice of God sounds, the trumpet of God sounds sounds and the dead in Christ shall rise up and all those that are alive and remain in Christ Jesus will be caught up together with them in the air and that is what we call the rapture of the church when the rapture of the church takes place if you are a Christian I promise you you will not be left behind now if you're not a Christian 
I can't offer you that promise. And that's bad. But, but has the Christians leave, has the believers that are alive when the rapture of the church takes place? I, I'm going to tell you something. There's been a lot of people predicted. I'm going to tell you exactly when it's going to happen. I'm going to tell you. Y'all need to listen. I'm going to tell you when the rapture of the church is going to take place. It's going to take place on the day of the Lord in an hour that you think not. That's what the Bible says. If anybody tells you any different than that, they just told you a fib, okay? It's going to happen on the day of the Lord in an hour you think not. Whenever God is designed for the rapture of the church to take place, it will take place, okay? But here's what's going to happen. i got to finish up. Y'all want to go back up? Here's what's going to happen when the when the rapture of the church takes place. When the rapture of the church takes place, the born-again church, the, the church, the people that have had uh, released their faith in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, they are going to leave this earth. The ones that have died and gone on, they get the head start on anybody else that is left. I don't know which group I'll be in. That depends on when the Lord comes back and how long he lets me live. But nonetheless, the church is going to leave this earth for, for a season. But here's what happens. When the church leaves the earth, the Holy Ghost leaves with the church. Because the Holy Ghost, the person of the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit, if you prefer to use Holy Spirit, Holy Ghost, same thing. Because when I leave, guess who's leaving with me? If you're full of the Holy Ghost, guess who's leaving with you? Now, if you're in this room and you're not saved, here's the bad news. Here's the bad news. Because the Holy Ghost is the, is the restrainer of the earth. Because the Holy Ghost is the keeper of the earth right now. And, and, and he does so for the sake of the church. Jesus told his people, I'm not going to leave you comfortless, but I'm going to send you another helper. I'm going to send somebody to take care of business while I'm gone. It, 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 it's, it's my counterpart, the Holy Ghost. He's part of the Godhead. He's part of the Trinitarian Godhead. I'm going to send him back and he is going to abide in you. When the church leaves, he leaves. Okay? And that's exactly what Paul's talking about here because he said, but the one who now holds it back, he said he will continue to do so until he be taken out of the way. Let me tell you something. Pardon my, pardon my way. I, if this bothers you the way that I express this, I'll, I'll beg your apologies. But let me tell you something. You think it's bad now, but I want to tell you something. When the church leaves this world that we are living, this earth that we're living on right now, let me tell you, I'm not saying it's going to be the literal place, but let me tell you something. Hell on earth is going to break out like you've never imagined it. Because the restrainer has left with the church. Right now, if it were, if it were not for the presence of the Holy Ghost working in the church, living in the hearts of the believers right now, if it were not for the presence of the Holy Spirit being at work, it's untold what the chaos of this world would look like. 
keep in mind right now the restrainers, what we see and what we, what we see and what we hear and what we observe un, unfolding before us. And, 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 but yet the restrainer is still at work. Just imagine what it's going to be like if you can. I don't know that we can. Just imagine what it's going to be like when the church leaves. And the Holy Ghost leaves with us. The worst time that this earth has ever known will occur. A time when men will cry out to die and they won't be able to. I believe people will attempt suicide and won't even be able to succeed at it in the most extreme way. But the restrainer will be gone. The Holy Ghost will be gone with the church. You see, we live in an exciting time. Because God is with us. Emmanuel, Jesus was Emmanuel, God with us. But he said, I'm not going to leave you all alone. I'm going to send you another comforter. That comforter didn't do the work of the cross. That comforter didn't, didn't do the work of the, uh, of, of taking victory over death, hell, and the grave. But that comforter is the keeping power of God in the earth until God calls his church home. Thank God for the day of Pentecost. Thank God for the Holy Ghost. Yeah, he may, he, he may, he can make us. Yeah, go ahead. Give him a praise. And he can, he, he can instigate us to do all kinds of things, run, shout, speak in tongues, walk back a pew, swing for chandeliers, do all kinds. But let me tell you something, he can cause you to live right. He can talk, cause you to act right. And he can enable you to maintain in a world that is engulfed with wickedness. And you can still be the salt of the earth. Because of his presence. So three times. Three times. We saw, we've seen God inhabit the earth. Now there's a fourth time coming. I want you to know that. But when that happens. He'll be coming back with a mighty army behind him. And he's going to set one foot on land. And one foot on sea. Demonstrating and declaring his dominion over the earth and that time will be no more and everything is called into its eternal state but for now we're in that third habitation praise God for the Holy Ghost I I, I don't know I really hadn't planned on this 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 but I, I don't I, I'm gonna go I don't go this direction because I feel like I need to you know what I, I, I was raised, I was, I wasn't raised in church, okay? And my mom and dad said that they were God-believing people, but I was the first one in my family to ever give my, to give their heart to the Lord. And I was, I was, I was dumb. We were sitting in a class uh, last weekend and they were talking about, you know, how people come to church and sometimes we act like people are so, supposed to have a certain, uh, 
we expect them to have a, some kind of PhD in theology when they get to church. You know, sometimes we imply that. But let me tell you something. God just took me just like I was. I, I, I didn't know nothing. I didn't know nothing about church. I didn't know nothing about being saved, okay? Only thing I knew is I didn't want to go to hell, okay? Is that okay? Is that all right? I just know I didn't want to go to hell. I didn't know nothing about being saved. I didn't know nothing about falling in love with Jesus. I just knew I didn't want to go to hell, okay? I, and I had a, I had a church family that loved on me and they nurtured me and, 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 uh, I, I was, I was young and dumb and I had long hair and, but I had my first banjo and it was a holiness church. Oh. They said, bring that banjo to church and play it for us. Okay, I will. And I took that banjo to church and played it for them. And the song I got up and played, because I was dumb and young and dumb and disoblivious, ignorant, if you would, whatever you want to call I got up and I played the Wildwood Flower in a holiness church. And they gave me the biggest hand clap round of applause that you ever seen. Or ever heard. And from there they loved on me. And they helped disciple me. And they helped teach me. And they helped train me. And learn of the ways of God. But I want to tell you. I'm, and here I am. Here I am. And I know it's hard for you to believe. But here I am. 50 years later. And I'm still learning. And I'm still growing. The Holy Ghost is still teaching me. And He's still guiding me. And He's protecting me. But for some reason, I had this notion in my mind that I had to have it all together. And I've shared this before, in, at least in, in part, but I want to share it again this morning. Out at my dad's place, the old barn is still there. Part of it's about to fall in now, and I, I've been trying to prop it up as much as I can to keep it going. But, but I'd go out, and I'd go out, and it had a dirt floor in it. And you know, an old barn, the dust gets about this deep, you know, in that old barn. And I'd go out on hot summer days because I knew I didn't want to go to hell. I wanted to get saved. I didn't want to go to hell, but I didn't know what to do and how to do it. And I'd go out and I'd waller in that dirt and I would come up, I would look like a mud baby when I got out of there because I was all sweating, that dirt sticking all over me. And I'd go in there and I'd say, God, if you'll help me and, and pardon, pardon, if this bothers you about your pastor, pardon me. I'm sorry. I said, God, you got to help me quit cussing. I had a, Filthy mouth. A real filthy mouth. God, I need you to help me to quit doing other things and I won't go into name on them all because it's not that I'm proud of. I want you, I want to, I want you, as soon as I quit doing all this stuff, God, I'm going to get saved. That's what I told him. As soon as I quit doing all this stuff, I'll get saved. Let me tell you something. I never ever got to where I could quit doing that stuff. Okay, I never did. I never accomplished it. Finally, I come to the realization, God, I can't do this. I need you to save me because I can't straighten my own life out. Let me tell you something. If I could straighten my own life out, why would I need God for anyway? Okay. If I could have justified my own sin, what would I have needed God for? What, what would I have needed Jesus for? He would have just wasted his, his time if we could straighten out our own sin. And our own mistakes and our own fallacies of life. But I came to the 
I came to a point where I've come to the understanding and realization that what I can't do on my own, the Lord will do in me, and He will come down. He will save me. Was I zapped into perfection? Well, I got news for you. I wasn't. This may hurt some of y'all's feelings, you know. Listen, I want everybody to do this with me right now. I want you to do this. Okay. You just took off your halo and your angel wings and you didn't even know it. Okay. That's what you just done. Okay. I got saved. I got saved. Senior in high school. We had played. I don't even know if they do stuff like that. We had intramural basketball leagues in the gym of the mornings. I lived out in the county. I had rode the bus early. I didn't have nothing to do. I'd get in there and uh, let me tell you something. I wasn't too tall. I wasn't any taller now than then than I am now. But I'd get in there. I, uh, you know, we didn't call fouls or nothing. We tackle. We played tackle. We played tackle basketball. Okay. A guy threw a basketball at me. He hit me in the end of my fingers. And jammed them up. They turned blue and purple. And I want to tell you what I did. I hadn't been saved long. I hadn't been saved but just a month or so. And I'll tell you what I did. I cussed a blue streak. Remember you took your wings and halo off. Okay. I cussed a blue streak. It hurt. Oh Lord. But suddenly I begin to feel convicted. I begin to feel the Holy Spirit begin to deal with my heart, even though I was unlearned as a believer in Jesus Christ as a teenager. I begin to feel I begin to feel convicted, and I went and this is this is no exaggeration. I went and I crawled under the bleachers. You know how you could go out to the end and go. I went under the bleachers where nobody could see me, and I cried and I said, "Lord, will you forgive me for what just came out of my mouth?" And make me stronger every day. And that's just one instance that I have to have the Lord to make me stronger in. I wasn't zapped into perfection. And neither were you. Remember, you took your halo off and your angel wings. You're laying in the seat. You can pick them up when you, on your way out, okay? But listen, if you're in this room and you're wrestling with making a decision for God because you don't think you're good enough or you don't think you can, you can, so many people said, I'm a Christian, but I don't think I can live it. I've got news for you. You can't live it. You need the spirit of God in you that, and you're only going to have the spirit of God from after you get saved. You need the work of the Lord in your life to help you live it. You can't do it on your own. Here I am some, uh, uh, some now what, if I figure out eight, Math 64, 42. 42 years later, I still can't do it on my own. I have to have the Lord. I have to have the Lord. And if you follow me very far, you're going to find out that I'm still not perfect. My wife thinks I am. Don't you, baby? Yeah. She thinks I am. She likes my hair and everything, you know. But I'm not. And if you follow me long enough, and if you follow anybody long enough, you, you're going to find, you're going to see their imperfections and their flaws and their things. But let me tell you something. It's the righteousness of God that makes us right. And it's the infilling 
the abiding presence of the Holy Ghost that will carry us through this world. You remember there was a insurance company, I think it was State Farm. Gosh, I, oh Lord, I didn't went over, I'm in overtime. I don't get paid anymore though, don't worry. I think it was State Farm and they used to say, don't leave home without it. I don't want to get out of bed without the Holy Ghost. I don't want to get in my car without the Holy Ghost. I definitely don't want to get on the Harley Davidson without the Holy Ghost. I, I don't want to go anywhere without His presence. So with your halos and your angel wings laid aside, I want you to bow your head with me just a moment. Heads bowed and eyes closed. I want to ask you a question. Is there anybody in this room this morning that says, Pastor, I need to get, I need to give my heart to Jesus. I need to get saved. But I don't know if I can do it. I'm not sure I can do it. I don't, I, I don't, I don't think I can do this. But I know I need to. Is there, is there one person in this room? Anybody at all? Our person needs to rededicate their life. Is there just simply one in this room today? It will slip up your hand real quickly. I promise I'm not going to embarrass you. Okay, if not, I, I consider everybody is, con, is content with your relationship with the Lord. Let me tell you something. God didn't save any of us to fail. He gave us the Holy Spirit that we may succeed. I'd like for you to stand to your feet right now. And as you stand to your feet right now, I want us to, to begin to praise Him for all that He's given us, all that He's provided us with, for the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. There's gifts of the Spirit, and I could have, I, 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 was, I was so, I was so tempted to preach on those this morning because it's Pentecost Sunday, but, but, but I couldn't get away. I, I kept going back to this message about the Holy Ghost. It's the third habitation of God's presence in the church, and He, He's blessing and He's working among us. And this morning, thank God for that. And if you're saved this morning, you got something to praise God for. And, and I just want you right now just to thank Him for His abiding presence. Can you join me? Father, we love you. We appreciate you. We thank you for your abiding presence. Lord God, we just believe that today, God, your spirit has come, Lord, to minister to us. And as he ministers to us, he ministers among us. Lord, we can't fail, Lord, for succeeding in you. Lord God, we can't go under for going over in you. Lord, you have blessed us. You have kept us. Lord, you didn't leave us here just to die in the wilderness. Lord, we can't afford to go back to the flesh pots of Egypt, but God, we need everything, Lord God, that you have for us. And today, Lord, we're so thankful that you are enabling us and helping us to walk through this world of wickedness that we live in. And God, today may, as we continue in your abiding presence, Lord, we know that you are with the church as long as the church is in this earth and lord god lord whether we go by the grave or whether we go by the rapture of the church lord we want to die in the holy ghost lord we want to rapture out in the holy ghost lord we do not want to be left here without your presence lord so lord may we be diligent to keep lord god you in our hearts may we be diligent lord to pursue you in all things lord may we lord god find our Lord God, allowing you to inhabit our lives, Lord. 
And Lord Jesus, we praise you for your goodness, your blessings, and your mercy over our lives. As in your name, Lord, we pray, give you glory, and we give you honor. In Jesus' name, amen.